Hello and, and welcome to Shaman Sister Sessions, episode 48. I am Michelle Hawk. I'm here with my Shaman Sister, Catherine Bird, and this is our offering to you. Today, we are welcoming special guest, Marley Williams, to this Shaman Sister Sessions. Our podcast arose out of Catherine's and my conversations about what does it mean to be a healer? What does it mean to be a practitioner in the world? What the fuck are we doing as shamans? And what are the implications for you and society at large? Marley, thank you so much for joining us today. Marley is a spectacular visionary creatrix extraordinaire and specializes in play, helping people go from stuck to stoked and getting out of their own way as they discover the magic of their I'm just throwing words out here, but like inner child, I want to say like the wisdom of the inner child. I want to say the like, um, you know, what magic can come from that process of going into pleasure and going into experiencing the world as if for the first time. That's some of what I see in your magic. So Marley, thank you so much for joining us here today. It is a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> yeah. Yay, this is so exciting. <laughs> Uh, um, it's so great to have you and to, uh, <clears throat> to have this topic. I think um, Michelle and I probably, we're sometimes a little serious, I think. <laughs> we're very playful and a little serious at the same time. Yeah, so, we both heard um, before that we come off a little intense. That's okay. Marley's going like this, just a little. Yeah, a little intense. Yeah, we're we're sometimes uh, seen as a little intense, and uh, which belies our playful nature for sure. Um, but you know, it, we've you know coming from this space of like spirituality, and um, you know, there's a lot of of misconception that in order to be spiritual, you need to be very serious. And I think that this is, it would, which is funny because when you, when you tune into like the people who are the most, you know, spiritual, if like you're talking to the Dalai Lama or, um, you know, is often they are the most, uh, you know, joyful and playful and youthful in their approach to life and looking at things instead of sort of this hard, you know, intense spirituality that we seem to feel has more value. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have Marley joining us today because she does that very well. How are you doing, Marley? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I think it's, it's good to look at, at life, at personal work from a lot of different angles. And I think that a lot of times we can take doing this work so seriously and it can feel really heavy and it can feel like almost, almost like a burden and like, I should do this, this personal work um, to get to some like end goal so that I can have time to play and enjoy my life. And so what if we flip the script and, and made space and time for for that play and and I've been really reflecting on what it what that actually even what what play means to me and like kind of like redefining that um and, and uh <laughs> so I'm working on it's a work in progress but this idea of um deep play I think play can seem almost like the opposite of work 
And when I was talking, I mean, I was just talking to my friend this morning about play and I'm like, it's not just sitting around like playing board games. It's, it's, there's something deeper around savoring the magic of life, savoring moments and making moments and creating um, those experiences where we kind of lose track of time. We forget that we have a phone. Uh, we, aren't we aren't scrolling, we aren't checking through Facebook, we aren't talking about work, we aren't thinking about work, but there's a, there's a presence that I think really encapsulates when you are like playing full out and really kind of absorbed in the moment, absorbed in the experience. I think that so many um, people that I hear from, entrepreneurs and coaches and speakers and healers say like their, their best and most brilliant ideas come when they have taken space to be, to play, to kind of take a step away from their quote unquote work and really allowing this inner child and like this, this new different sense of wonder and curiosity around where they are at in their journey rather than like going to a business mastermind retreat where they're talking about strategies and they're talking about what's my next book idea or what's like, you know, and it's, it can feel really masculine in a lot of ways and really, act, you know, and I'm, I'm a really action oriented person. And so I need to balance that with, with space. And so I'm, I'm cultivating my definition and awareness of like, what do I really mean by this idea of play and deep play and divine play? Um, that it really isn't this kind of secondary thought, like when I have time or if I have time, I'll, I'll play. Or, you know, I think a lot of people have, have an association when all of my work gets done, then I will play. Mm. And I think that I want to kind of flip the script. It's like in order to do my best work, I need to play. Mm -hmm. um, I think you're speaking to a really important piece of programming there that we pretty much all received. I think universally we can all agree upon, you know, either when we're given homework as children or like have to do our chores or there's some aspect of unpleasant responsibility that precedes the freedom to do whatever we truly want and be who we truly are. Because when, when we're playing and you're talking here about deep play, there's this surrender to that flow and surrender to these wildly imaginative, creative, in the flow, completely in alignment parts of ourselves that get to come out. And yet from that, because we live in a society that we do that says, okay, you have to do your chores before you can go play with your friends. You have to, um, you know, mow the lawn before you can go, you know, run around in the forest and imagine that you're a, you know, that you're a fairy or whatever the deal is. And so then we associate, okay, this is my reward for doing the unpleasant task and not in itself. It's like, downgraded to a different degree of importance. Like it is less important because mm -hmm. it must come after work. Yeah, exactly. And, and another interesting, like this is very, very ingrained in all of us for sure. Cause this, I don't think there's anybody who didn't have that experience. Even if your parents were very play oriented at school, there was no, no funny business here, mister. And uh, you know, the other thing that's really ingrained in us from this is that you're not doing what I want. You're not being nice. You're not being this way. You're, and now 
you are no longer going to be allowed to play with so-and-so. You're no longer going to be allowed to play this game. You're no longer going to be given this, you know, whatever this thing is that play was, was actually used as a bargaining chip to get us to behave a certain way, to get us to buckle down, to get us to be nice, to get us to share, to get us to uh, stop crying. Um, all of the things that it, it was utilized as, okay, well, if you're good, you get to play. And I think that so many, so many of us run around in the world kind of believing that we're not good enough. Like it's our core wound is I'm not good enough. So then how could we allow ourselves to play? Like I'm not actually good enough, worthy enough to, you know, allow myself to have this thing that you only get if you're really great. You only get if everything's done. You only get if you get an A. You only get if you're amazing and you've like figured life out, then you get to play. But if you're not thriving in every area, play it's off the table. Like you sorry, it's not for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we oftentimes attach our worthiness to how much we produce or how much work we get done. And I think that you're hitting on something there of like really believing that um, we are worthy because we are, because we exist. We're, we're worthy of cultivating and creating that time and that space for play in a world that values productivity, in a world that values work over play. Um, I think that it is, it's rewiring how we how we view that and how we see that and how we see the that the innate value that it does have because there might not be this result um this like immediate result but it's a sense of like you know how do we want to feel as we're doing our work you know and i think that we're it's like we're, we're working all you know like this programming around like working hard and like, you know, spending all of this, our time when we're like really able, you know, we have like the ability to go on adventures and travel the world. And then we're supposed to wait until retirement. And then when we retire, then we can play or then we can travel or then we can go on all these adventures. Um, and so I think, yeah, really challenging that. Like, is that working for you? Like, how is that? How does it feel to feel like you're, I think just this message around hustle and grinding it out and working harder and faster, smarter, stronger. Like I just don't, I think it leads to overwhelm, stress, burnout, exhaustion, depletion of energy. I mean, to me, play is a really, it's like, it's, it's, it's about, everyone talks about time management, but I talk a lot about energy management. Like how do we do things in our life that, fill us up and that give us the energy that we need to put into our time with family or our work or, but if we're just running on empty, we're never going to do anything really well. We're just going to like, by the end of the week, be burned out, stressed out and overwhelmed, which I think is the majority of humans. Mm -hmm. And then by the time you retire, you don't really feel like going anywhere doing anything. <laughs> Right. Like Willard and rest. I just want to sit at home and like yell at kids to get off my lawn. No, but the, uh, and the lifestyle that you're referring to Marley, that a lot of us society have bought into or live in is that pushing, 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 running on empty, giving what we don't have running into adrenal fatigue, running into exhaustion and overwhelm 
And then when it comes to the weekend, there's this shutdown that happens of like, and you know, Gordon, God help us if we have to like do laundry and run errands and take care of our, you know, family or do whatever other tasks we have to do that we only ever have time for on the weekend. Um, especially if you are a student and you work full time, like my brother and sister-in-law, for example, this is kind of their reality. And yet they, I really appreciate that they make a point to have date nights. They make a point to, you know, they have a dog. So they're guaranteed they're walking the dog every day and, you know, kind of treating that as a break and get out. But it, when we live in that way, it puts us into what healthy mechanisms do we have to actually take care of ourselves. And most people do not default to play. Most people default to, I'm going to sit at home and watch Netflix and decompress, or I'm going to drink a lot. Or, I'm going to go out with my friends and, uh, you know, and maybe that's play, but probably not. Our coping mechanisms are not set up to lead to greater health and well-being. They're set up to numb us out generally. So play is one of those ways that we get to reconnect with our bodies. We get to reconnect with magic. We get to reconnect with that innocence of what is it like to be a kid and run around in the forest just for the sheer joy of doing so, for example. Mm -hmm. And I think that once we can, you know, cultivate that as a felt sense inside of our system as a regular occurrence, then we can integrate it into the other parts of our life, right? Like I'm sure you work with a lot of people who it's like, oh, okay, actually I'm having to relearn how to actually play. And then once I get that as a skill set, then all of a sudden I can go into my, you know, my business, I can go into the office, I can go into my work with my clients or whatever and actually have a sense of levity and, you know, joyfulness and, and play within the structure that maybe is focused on solving a problem or, or whatever it is that it can right. come from a place where there's more inspiration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a great quote that I'm looking up right now, um, which is, which is about the piece that you're talking about around integration and how we live in a world that's very, it separates our worlds. Like, oh, now I'm working and now I'm playing. But when we're working, we just want to play. And when we're playing, we think we should be working, you know? And so we're never really fully present doing anything. And there's actually a lot of research done around um, anxiety and stress. And the biggest factor in feeling anxious is not being present with whatever it is that you're doing, actually. It's like, I'm doing something, but I'm thinking about doing, I'm thinking about something else. So it's really, um, I think, I, th I talk a lot about, it doesn't have to be one or the other, and it can, it can be both. And this quote really speaks to that and says, um, the master in the art of living makes little distinction between their work and their play, their labor and their leisure their mind and their body, their information and recreation, their love and their religion. They hardly know which is which. They simply pursue their vision of excellence at whatever they do, leaving others to decide whether they are working or playing. To them, they are always doing both. And uh, I think like sometimes that's like, I think that's one of the best reflections that I get from people. They're like, 
I, I can't tell, like, are you working? Are you playing? I don't know. Or when you're working, it always seems like you're having fun or you're enjoying it. That that's like an anomaly. It's an anomaly to enjoy work. Like it seems counterintuitive. We don't live in a culture that says, I mean, we have these messages, do what you love. But even people that are doing what they love, I see them, I see a lot of people, even that are entrepreneurs that are hustling it out or grinding it out. And again, rewiring the programming around work has to suck, work has to be boring, work has to be hard. It's like, what if work was fun? What if it was easy? What if it was joyful? What if it was playful? Um, and, and what if that improved the quality of my work that it's not getting in the way of, but it is really enhancing my ability to be innovative, to be creative. Um, and kids, I mean, that's, that's the amazing thing about the inner child is like, kids are so innovative. They're creative. They build things out of nothing. They think anything is possible. Um, and all of these companies or, you know, entrepreneurs that want to be creative or innovative, they're doing it from this, like, I need to figure this out. And it feels like, um, like they have the weight on their weight of the world on their shoulders and figuring it out versus like, let me go for a walk and not think about it for a minute. Mm -hmm. And that is just as valuable as sitting in front of my computer screen, trying to figure it out. (laughs) So yeah, challenging the, the paradigm and the norms around work and play and, and how to integrate that so we can enjoy not, not just getting to the end goal or the destination, but like enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey. 95% of life is the journey. And we live in a world that's so focused on the destination and getting to this like end result. Like isn't the end result to feel like you lived a life worth living and that maybe you had a good time doing it? Mm. Mm-hmm. making that distinction between are, are we working to serve our lives or are we living to serve our work really and a lot of us again collectively have chosen to live lives that serve our work in some capacity and so really sacrificing vacation time sacrificing time with the family sacrificing time doing what you love so that you can put in those extra few hours at the office or make the promotion or whatever and i know frankly a lot of people who are watching this probably don't have that kind of job but i invite you to consider anyway in what ways are you living to serve your work rather than allowing your work whatever that form that may take to ultimately serve your life And play is a way that we get to do that, where when we love what we're doing, when we're blissed out on what we're doing, when we're truly enjoying it, the work itself becomes ultimately in service to the kind of lifestyle that you're wanting to create. Mm -hmm. For sure. And, you know, I'm... I, I keep thinking about uh, when they, they talk about the way that we learn, right? That we actually learn through play, that... Uh, when animals are, and you can see it, especially with like baby animals and, you know, they're learning how to hunt and they're learning how to uh, take care of themselves. And they're learning these very advanced skills of how to take down an animal and, and, you know, to feed their, their families. And they're doing it through the processes of play. They're doing it through this rambunctious, uh, you know, fighting and playing and, and chasing things along the ground. And, and they spend an enormous amount of time doing that. 
And it's not how we're taught how that we learn. Like we are animals. We learn that way, but we're not taught that that's how we learn. We're taught that we learn things by sitting down in a little square desk and looking at a piece of paper until we bash it into our heads in the most uncomfortable way possible. And then, you know, try to regurgitate it instead of finding ways to engage with our environment that stimulate us in order to actually, you know, bring something to life within us. Yeah. I think that that's, I mean, it is looking at the way that we are wired in a lot of ways. And I think that it's like, we forgot how to be human in this world. That's like, and it's so rigid, you know, in our, in our education system. Um, and in all of these ways where our, our innovation and creativity and ability to play is kind of taught out of us. So it's not, it's not like another, I think in the world of personal development, it's like awareness means like, it's like, Oh, one more thing that I need to work on or one more thing. I'm like, I need to work on being more playful. And then that yeah. feels hard. It's like, well, um, because yeah, we, we don't live in a culture that really values that. Um, and yet, you know, like the, the top 10 regrets of, of folks in nursing homes or the folks that are dying, they're like, I wish I wouldn't have taken myself in life so seriously. Or like how many people say, man, I really wish I would have worked harder at the end of the day. At the end of the day, it's like, I think that the, that idea of, of play is about, um, is about savoring and about moments and it's like like that that's just so much of what life is that what makes a meaningful life um and so i feel like yeah i get all riled up about this because it's like if we're not one of my one of my quotes that i tell myself sometimes when i feel like i'm taking myself and my work too seriously is if i'm not having fun i'm doing it wrong Mm. because like especially if you're someone who has your own business like we get to make it whatever we want. Like that's the fun part. And yet we still fit ourselves into these boxes because this is what we think it should look like. Or if I don't take myself seriously, then no one else will. Mm-hmm. Or whatever constructs we come up or, or reasons that we have for needing to take ourselves seriously or, or, or even I know for myself, especially since I started my business when I was 21 years old, 21 or 22 years old. Anyway, starting my business as a very young healing person, like while I was still in college and there was an enormous amount of pressure that I was putting on myself to be taken seriously and to go out into the world as an entrepreneur to, you know, again, while I was still in college to be trying to communicate to people, yes, I know what I'm doing. Yes, I can Uh, facilitate this experience for you. Yes, I can hold this container. Yes, you are safe with me. Sometimes with people who are more than double my age. And for me, I know that that's been a journey of, of something that I have had to move through now that I'm 30, you know, so still not like super old by any means, but at least I'm in my thirties now. And there's, uh, I noticed when I turned 30, there's this like, Oh, thank goodness. You know, I'm I'm not in my twenties anymore. I don't have to like have that layer of I must be taken seriously. And yet finding that that really impacted the way in which I historically presented myself from a desire to appear trustworthy. And I think there's that subconscious association of if I am seen as playful, I will not be trustworthy mm-hmm. to someone 
who is approaching this really deeply personal work, this very important work. And there's an equation, a mental equation that we have with, again, importance equals serious. Yeah. When it's, again, not actually true. Yeah. And I, I find that then you, then you create this, right? You create this a little bit of a persona. You create this like, oh, this is, this is who I am. And then if you are playful, people don't know what to do with that. Like they're like, you, you put something playful on Facebook or you, like they completely take it out of context because they can't, like they can't handle that there's actually a multifaceted individual in front of them, but it's just this one thing that you're, that you're there doing. Yeah. I think a lot of, I mean, I think that's hard for everyone in general, but I think that, you know, really ambitious driven women specifically, um, whether you're working in a, in a corporate, like in a company or you're working for yourself, there is that there's a storyline that I need to take myself seriously for other people to take my work seriously. And like the work is, I mean, like, like you said, Michelle, it's, it's intense and you're asking people to go really deep. And so you want people to trust you. And I think what I've realized in the work that I do, I, and a lot of times when I talk about play and camp and these events that I put on, it's like, I'm like, if we can't laugh together, there's no way we're going to be able to cry together. Like, I mean, and I think both are vulnerable um, and, and asking people to go deep. And I, I have, I like lead all of these like epic dance parties and I say dancing is like full body vulnerability, you know, and on one hand dancing can be really fun and really playful. And on the other hand, it can feel really vulnerable and really um, like it can be hard for people to go there. You know, it's almost easier for someone to tell you your, their deepest, darkest secrets than to dance in front of a room full of people um, and yet it's like, how do we, how do we hold both? And I think what people have commented in my work and my approach is like how refreshing it's like a breath of fresh air of like, oh, cause it is like, it can feel so heavy that it's like, and can I, can I enjoy the journey? Can I have fun doing this work, this, this deep personal work? And again, it's like, it's not one or the other. It's, it's both. It's yes. And it's both both things are possible. And I think that there's this, like when I do post stuff on Facebook of, of being outside or being on a hike or being silly, I think that the idea of, I don't know, again, especially being an entrepreneur and a speaker and a coach, it's like, are you showing up reliably and consistently over time? Mm -hmm. And I think almost people rely on these, like the pep talks that I do or like, the consistency in who I am as a human. And I think that there's an element of this play that's very, it makes it, it makes the work more approachable and enjoyable. And people are like, oh, I can, I can trust you with my deepest, darkest secrets because you are able to hold all of it um, in this, in this way of like, I'm okay. And we're going to go deep and we're going to have fun. And we're going to laugh and we're going to cry. And we're going to like, again, that holistic approach to like all of us have all of these different parts of who we are, but I think it's like, how do we integrate those things more so that it's not like we're catching people off guard. Like when I'm super serious, like I can go there, but I can also play and have a really good time, you know? And no one's looking at that of like, Oh, I don't know who Marley is. Mm -hmm. um, it's just 
bringing all of the layers of who we are and accepting those. I mean, a lot of it is about self-acceptance and like we were talking about around the worthiness piece of like we're worthy to have the time and the space to be and to play and and I think that that knowing who we are and knowing what play means to you and play might look different for people you know like play for me might be going on a hike outside and it might look very different for somebody else and that's okay too but I think knowing what that is for you knowing what fills you up um, is important I mean and that's a piece of self-awareness that's a piece of um, energetically supporting yourself and filling yourself back up, knowing what you need when you feel depleted, how to re- replenish and take that space. Mm. I'm personally really glad we're talking about this today because I had a weight of the world sort of morning and I am admittedly feeling much better already. But just looking at this really is... I don't know, kind of the antidote, I guess, is what I want to say of like, again, taking not only myself, but taking everything so seriously. Like, so just uh, viewers, just so you know, I filed for health insurance this morning and it put me into this horrible state of everything's fucked up. It's not okay. I'm really upset with how the world is working. And, uh, and I definitely had a little bit of a spiral. There was some other stuff that was going on too, but basically I, um, I did reach the point of tears this morning on the weight of it, the weight of it all. And before we got on our episode today, I went and I shook it out a little bit. I put on some, I blasted some music and I had a little solo dance party and like screamed a little bit and just like, you know, move some stuff. But, and again, that was a very like quick version of some energetic hygiene practices, but it was also just being this like wild movement and going into my inner child self, Marley, like you were talking about the dance as part of that play for me, dance is very playful. And I was able to get on our call and not be in a horrible, horrible mood. So again, it's, it's, it is that antidote, not only to whatever personal heaviness we're feeling or personal weight we're putting on ourselves, but what is, what exists in the world around us that, isn't helping quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we talk a minute about relationships? Because let's talk about that that. because what I'm like, I'm feeling into how, you know, so often we, we start a relationship in a playful way where we're like, Oh, let's go do this fun thing. And ah, okay. This is, we're just like, we're kind of, we're, we're playful. And over time, um, like everything becomes so serious, you know, we get, we're like, Oh, our jobs and our, you know, our money and, and all of the things and, and our sexuality, our, our sensuality with each other becomes so serious and everything has so much weight and everything means so much and and we start to kind of feel disconnected from each other and it feels like the quality of play like both people actually learning how to play individually with themselves like I'm I'm gonna go learn how to play and then being able to come together and find some commonality in this like playful space with each other um like you're saying an antidote, like I, I feel like this is, this could be a huge antidote that a lot of times we're not even, you know, 
in a lot of relationship books or relationship advice or whatever that is not, it's completely overlooked. Like, Hey, you know, it's like, okay, well you need to make like a date night where you're focused on connection and stuff, but it's, there's not a lot of, Hey, like you need to find some things where you feel playful with each other. Like you invite that back into your experience with each other. Yeah, I think it's important. I think it's really, and I think that that's why I think one piece is knowing, like defining play for yourself, like self, having the self-awareness to know like what brings you joy? What are those things that you love doing? And for me, I, I mean, I love playing with other people. Like I love sharing experiences together um, because I think, I think that we are moving out of the realm of like, I'm just, I'm not big in the gifts. I'm big into experiences and doing things together because those are like memories and moments that will stay with you and they will last. And, and I think it does take that intentional effort to create and carve out like, yeah, people talk a lot about going on date nights, but um, what about like having a play day once a week um, where you, you know, you go on an adventure together and maybe you switch off like who's in charge of the, the adventure day or the play day or a play afternoon or something and to me, it's about kind of, the, it's so fun. I mean, just moving to Portland, it's like everything is like new. I just moved here three months ago and like there's new hikes to explore and new restaurants to go to or um, new things to check out. And I think even if you've lived in your city for 10, 20 years, there's always going to be like new things. And so I think play is this like mindset or this approach to how do I see life? How do I see my world? How do I see my neighborhood? How do I see opportunities or experiences? And, and I think we get to choose to like with that, again, with that inner child, that childlike wonder, it's like, what could we do for our adventure day or play day? And what is the, like, I, I think for a lot of time in relationships, it's, it's the quality time. And if you can do that, having an experience, um, that lasts, I think it really helps with all of those other things that, you know, just a typical date night around, like, I just want to feel connected. I just want to spend quality time with you. I mean, you, you, we've all sat at restaurants and seen people literally eating dinner, scrolling through their phone. I'm like, what? Like, this is how we are connected. Like, this is how we're connect connection time or date night. It's like, really? So I think when you're doing something playful, like going bowling or like doing like a paint night class or going on a hike together or like exploring together. I think it just, it, it gets out of the, I don't know. I think a lot of relationships get into a rut where it's like, okay, we go on our date nights on Wednesday. And it's the um, same thing. It it's like I mean, to me, it's, it's boring. And then the play is like, and that's why I like that childlike wonder of like, what else could we see or check out and explore that's new for both of us? Um, yeah. So anyway, those are some of my thoughts. Michelle, what do you think about that? I think those are great ideas. <laughs> all, all very good. Um, the one thing I want to pinpoint at is a lot of us have certain degree of hangups around play. Like, I don't know how to play or like, I'm sure Marley, you've heard people say this. I've actually said this probably to you at some point of like, I need to get better at playing. And I'm pretty sure I said that to Kat at some point too. On a, <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> right? 
Light Warrior Mentorship call for a mentorship group. And I was like, yeah, I need to get better at playing. And I heard that. And I was like, what the fuck am I saying? Like, that's, that's again, my like hard work is the way to go programming coming through. And something was coming up in what you were saying, Marley, about the idea of beginner mind. And for, for myself, and I think for other people who raise those objections of, I don't know how to play, I'm not good at playing, I don't even know what that means, probably the easiest way to override all the programming and drop into a space of flow, because really, you know, according to my, my personal definition of play, it's this flow state, right, of radical presence. Mm. And whatever, whatever activity you're doing doesn't matter as much as just how you're showing up in it. So you, mm. anything can be play as long as you are fully present mm. in the experience without any agenda, without any expectations and just allowing the easiest way to do that is to go into something that you have absolutely no frame of reference for. And that's, I know that's an edge for a lot of people. I really love being uncomfortable. I push myself in all these uncomfortable situations a lot. So it's kind of easy for me to say like, yeah, I'm going to go try this brand new thing I've never done before because that's awesome. And I love doing that. But I'm, it, I was going to say I'm serious, but I'm playful in that. Yes, that is ultimately the beginner mind, the easiest way to get out of our own way to come into a space where we don't know what the fuck is going to happen. We don't know how it's going to go. We probably won't be good at it and that's going to be okay. And just allowing ourselves to have a radically present experience with something completely new. I think that's a really good way for people to start surrendering into, again, that radical presence of an experience and allowing it to be exactly what it is without, you know, it's so funny. Like you get these very type A people or like engineer type people I've worked with. And, um, for example, my Reiki classes, when I teach Reiki or I teach, uh, intuitive classes, uh, I have people come take my classes who work at Intel, for example, and they come in no wanting to be an expert at this thing that they're brand new at. And there's this, like, what can I read in advance to prepare? What, how can I like, plan how to be more psychic. How can I like do the research? What books can I read? Like what, you know, tell me all the things that I need to know so that I can go in and master this experience as quickly as possible. And I have to tell them, Hey, we're just going to play with it. This is a brand new thing for you. Don't read anything. Don't read a book. Don't do any research. Just come in, be present to exactly whatever's coming up and have an experience for some people. They can do that. Okay. Some people it's a huge edge to push. Then eventually when they do, there is this freedom and actually greater degree of trust and, and integration, confidence of that new experience that comes from having it be completely their own. They didn't read about it beforehand. Nobody told them what it was going to be like. So they get to have a really rich, juicy, firsthand expression of, in this case, this new body of knowledge. In the case of somebody practicing play, you can go you know, witness, for example, the solar eclipse and like, don't read a single book about the eclipse. Don't like listen to any podcast about the eclipse. Don't listen to what to expect, but just be in awe and wonder of it, of this brand new experience, which a lot of people here in Oregon did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'll say one more thing and about that. It's, I think it's being in awe of each other and new experiences and that every, I don't know, every moment that you engage and, and meet someone 
even if you've been in a relationship for whether it's two months or two years, there is always more there to like explore. And I think that when we get caught up in kind of the daily grind and the like, we, we lose touch with that, that awe. And I think it's, I think that's why I see play as almost like it, it isn't just going and doing things, but it's really a mindset around how we approach ourselves and each other and our relationships and our work and the world um, from, from the sense of wonder of what more is there to learn about you, to know about you, what can we explore together? And I think when you approach it from that mindset with that lens, it's like everything can be magical. Mm -hmm. yep. Absolutely. Um, and, and it gives you that point. It gives you that point of connection that, you know, a lot of times we can, we're so in our heads about everything and, you know, no matter if it's part of your business or, or your relationship or whatever it is, like we can get so far into processing and what's going on and, and this is what's happening in my head and this is what's going on in my feelings. And then sometimes it really is in, in like integrating the play, integrating the on winter, integrating the fascination back into the relationship with, you know, or the work, it's like whatever it is that gives you access to the connection that you're so desperately seeking to find and usually going about it in the way that we're going about everything through our mind. Oh, okay, this is my work. This is my problem I'm trying to solve. Let me sit down and try to solve it. Or this is my relationship. This is the problem that I'm having. Let me try to solve it. Let's sit down and process this for several hours and just like muck each other up and kind of like stir up all our shit and then try to sleep. And it's not going to work. But, you know, how do we, you know, re-engage? I mean, you know, there are, there are definitely moments in – like having a really intense, like, I mean, in a fight when, um, you know, like sometimes all it takes is like a shift of one of, you know, one or one of us just being like, I'm just going to like do something really super silly and playful in this moment. And like, let's just laugh and break up the tension of what's happening between us because when it all comes back to it, like it all comes back to love. We're just trying to figure things out coming from these weird places. So, you know, how do we re-engage with each other in, in moments, in an instant of, oh, actually, let me re-engage in a playful way with this person. And mm -hmm. let me re-engage in a playful way with this problem at work. Let me re-engage in a playful way, you know, for Michelle and I, like, I know that a lot of times in the middle of a session, all of a sudden, like something will come in from left field. And it's like, if, if I have a plan and I know that this is what's going to happen and this is how I'm going to approach the work and this is, this is the result that we're getting today and this is what they came to move through this one thing, it, there's also an element of play that's, that's occurring, like feeling into the inspiration of what's possible when we're working with someone. Oh, okay. Like, that's out of left field. I had no idea that was going to come up today. Well, let's play with it. Like what's there? Oh, this is your darkest, deepest, most, most painful, disgusting thing about yourself. All right. Well, let's, let's bring a little levity. Let's like laugh at it. Let's, let's play with it and see what's underneath it and let it not be 
the most horrible, disgusting part of you. Let it just be this part that you could actually maybe even enjoy and appreciate and be playful with. Yeah. I think that when we, when we begin to see some of those shadowy parts of ourselves, we almost, there's a sense, there's a gripping or like the sense of like hanging on for dear life or taking it so seriously. And I think that, um, I think that that's an interesting thing about levity, lightness, play, joy, happiness. It's super floaty energy in a way. Like with, there's a quote or a poem that said like with sadness, there's something to hold on to. I mean, you think about angsty songs and like, all, like so much music comes from like, and creativity comes from this like, oh, I'm like just gonna hang on to this sorrow and this sadness and, and yet happiness just floats. And so it's kind of like, what do I do with it? Like, what do I do with joy and happiness? And like that, that lightness, it's hard to grasp and hold on to. And, and I think that sometimes um, Brene Brown talks about this idea. Um, she calls it foreboding joy. And essentially foreboding joy is like, you're in this like magical moment or like, you know, beautiful experience. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, it's not gonna, we think it's not gonna last. There's no way it can be this good. I don't deserve to feel this happy. And that's why I think it goes back to like feeling worthy um, of that joy and of that happiness and to take that like sacred time to play and to rejuvenate and reconnect. And, um, and I think, you know, one of the quotes that I love or questions, it's like, how can it get better than this? Um, and how can I embody that joy? And I think that we, we live in a world that has a very strong, and our brain, and we have a negativity bias. Our news is negative, or negative messages, negative media, if you have negative people in your life, hopefully not. Um, but we're just bombarded with this stuff. And our brain latches on to negative information, mainly out of survival. You know, it's like if a negative thing happened, meaning like a lion was chasing me or something, I'm going to want to be like, remember the lot, like, I'm not going to have to try to remember a lion chasing me. I'm going to be like, stay away from the lion, whatever you do. And so my brain latches onto this negative moments, negative memories, negative experience. But if we like, at the same time, see a beautiful rainbow, our brain isn't going to remember that because it's not, it's not attached. Seeing a beautiful rainbow isn't attached to our survival. And, and so that's the power of like this idea of awe or savoring is to train our brain to have a, what I'm calling a positivity bias. And that's why, you know, all these people talking about gratitude practices and is like, we don't have to like, we don't have to reinforce the negative. It will already do that. So how do we reinforce the positive? How do we savor memories, moments, sunsets, experiences when we are feeling that joy to not forebode it, to not think it's not gonna last, but to savor it. And to like, and that means we have to feel worthy of receiving that moment and that experience. Yeah, there's a energetic muscle memory to what you're talking about. And I think Kat, this is something that we've talked about before is uh, when you're creating whatever practice, when you really sink into it and 
you know, Marley, like you're talking about savoring the feeling, really absorbing it into every cell in your body, grounding it into every fiber of your being, mm -hmm. it would be easier for you to return there next time. The same is true for play and that radical presence when we're cultivating an experience, allowing ourselves to be radically present, to breathe in that sense of play, that positivity bias, bias enjoyment into every cell in our bodies, every fiber of our being, it will be easier and faster for us to return there in the future. This is how we reprogram our subconscious or this is how we reprogram all of our consciousness actually to actively seek out and choose the experiences that are in alignment with this new program that we're asserting for ourselves that say, my life is enjoyable. It is okay for me to play. I am worthy to receive. I am grounded in my worth. And this is what my life is like. Yeah. And that's, that's creating magic. I mean, honestly, it's like taking, taking those things that may, might feel heavy and challenging and bringing lightness to it and transforming it to transform our reality in a way. I mean, I think we, just, we get to play with it. We get to play with play. Yeah, we do. The invitation. So what are some tools, Marley, that you would offer to viewers today about what, how can we bring more play into our lives? I know we've given some really good ones already. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's kind of round out. What have we given already? We've talked about the, um, try something new and go in your child mind. Mm -hmm. yeah. what else? Yeah. Well, I, I think the first thing is, is realizing that again, I think I mentioned this before, but like play is different for everyone. So the first thing I would invite people to do is to get a piece of paper, set a timer for five minutes if they want, um, and to write down all the things um, that make you feel playful or write down like what, what does play mean to you or what are things that when you're doing it, you feel um, like a kid, you know, I don't know. And, and that could be different for everyone. It could be going to the zoo. It could be, you know, going for a hike or going to... Um, like see something, you know, like going, it could be going out to a new restaurant for some people that could be play. But I think making your own playlist, ooh, your playlist, <laughs> and I would have things on there, anything that lasts from like five minutes to five days to five hours and everything in between. So it's like, oh, I only have like an hour today to play or, oh, I have this half day on Saturday available. Um, instead of having to think about those things, you have a playlist to go to and say, Oh, this is what we can do this weekend. Cause if we don't plan it, it ain't going to happen. Um, and so we can plan to play. I think that we think that it's like, Oh, play is just like spontaneous and it, it'll maybe happen if it does. But I invite people to plan, you know, plan, plan your play and set aside time in your calendar whenever it feels like that's a good playtime. Maybe that's Sunday afternoons or Saturday afternoons or Saturday mornings or um, to, set, to set aside the time to have a list of things that bring you joy and fulfillment. Um, so make a, making a playlist and finding play buddies. Like for me, play alone isn't as fun as it is with other people. Some people I know that are more introverted need their playtime to be alone. But who are people that you can go play with? Like maybe I'm going to have certain buddies this winter that I'm going to go skiing with. And so can I reach out to those people and say, hey, what days are you free to go skiing? I want to go during the week so that I like avoid the crowds. But 
Like they're going to be people like, how can I make it? I always ask the question, how can I make it easier to do the things that I want to do? How can I set myself up for success? And if I have people to go on these play days with or adventures with, or, you know, maybe I have a, maybe I have a friend in my life. You know, if you're not a super playful person, oh, like, I think that we all have a playful friend or someone that can help us with play and reaching out to them and saying like, Hey, um, let's set up a play day together or invite them. Or maybe you have a friend who always knows all the concerts in town or always has the like inside scoop on like fun events that are happening, reach out and, um, and connect with people. And I think it's a way to build relationships with people that are already in your community through going and having these experiences together. So those are a couple specific things that people can do to elevate their play play game in their life. Mm-hmm. I like the playlist idea. I was like, just made that up. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> I'm sitting over here smirking because you're speaking, uh, speaking to my tendencies of I need to calendar play in, in my schedule. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. But that's something that I know about myself. Yeah. And I think it's not bad to, to plan to plan that. Again, I think if we, if we don't set aside the time, it's harder to make the time because we're gonna, it's going to be over, we're going to override the need or desire to work. Um, but if we have that side set a time set, set aside, can we honor that play slot just as much as we honor the times that we're working? Mm-hmm. That's the invitation is not to say like, Oh, I have this day set aside, but then someone asks you to work and you're like, Oh yeah, I can work. Cause I don't need to play. Can we, can we actually honor um, like when we do schedule that time, um, to honor it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm talking about. That that's a great list. Marley. Thank you. Kat, do you have any other, uh, how to play or how to bring more play into our lives? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, th- I think it, it, it also the, that it doesn't have to be complicated, that it, it no. doesn't have to be some big thing. It doesn't like it, you know, if I was like, I'm going to go skiing, like skiing. No, that's not going to be my thing. I'm not, that's not, not playful for me. That's, that's a lot of anxiety about hurting my neck. Like I am not going to be that, that person, but like there are little things that are that are the playful things that you enjoy doing that you know like looking back from your childhood like what was it that you spent a lot of time doing that you you know that had no purpose like what was it that you spent your you know if you were given just free time with no restrictions you didn't have to answer to anybody what were you doing? And I think that gives you a really good look into like, what are the things that I would actually enjoy doing today? And sometimes for some of us, playing is reading a book that giving ourselves permission to read fiction, which for a lot of us, I know for me, I am like, oh, I'll read that fiction book when I take a trip and travel, like, because I can afford to, like, that's, I'm on vacation, so that's my permissionary time when I can actually read a book just for fun. So it's like, like, like yeah. 
you know, finding the little things. And I think that that's the thing about like having your own playlist is like, it's going to be different for everyone and it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be overcomplicated, but I think taking some time to reflect on what are the things that fill you up? I mean, really that's, that's the essence of it. And, and the invitation is to, yeah, like use that time to unplug, to disconnect, um, disconnect to reconnect or unplug to plug in. Right. Like, where are the things where I lose track of time and I can leave my phone at home or I can turn it off? Because um, I think that in the world where we're constantly connected into technology, the idea of play being in, in, in that flow state. Um, and so I think reflecting for you, like what, what that is, and it can be simple and it can be making art and it can be going for a walk. It doesn't have to be like super crazy things. And it's, and that's why it's important to have your own list, not follow someone else's like formula. Um, Cause it's going to be different for everyone. So with, yeah. Thank you. Well, we give you a lot of uh, reasons to play. You know, we talked a lot about, about like, why, why should we play? It has massive implications for our personal lives, our professional lives, especially for those of us who do work for ourselves. Marley, I really appreciated what you said about, a lot of the most amazing ideas that we have come when we're not planning for it, come in those moments where we're just in that flow state of innocence and observance. So it, there are financial implications and, and business-based implications of getting out of our own way and just dropping into a play space. It impacts our relationships, it impacts our friendships, our way of being in the world, and ultimately retraining ourselves to have a positivity bias for how we're choosing to show up in the world. And there, there is really nothing bigger than that of getting to choose how we want to be. Yeah. Boom. Drop the mic. Yeah. That's what's up. <laughs> right. So if you're interested in learning more about Marley and her amazing work in the world, uh, Marley, what projects do you have coming up right now? You've got Fire Tribe, right? Yeah, um, I have a nine-month-long journey that's starting in March uh, called the Fire Tribe for badass women entrepreneurs, community builders, change makers, thought leaders, um, knowing that a lot of those women, you know, it's like it's for ambitious, driven women to have the time and the space to play and to connect um, so that they can expand and grow into the most fully expressed, fully alive versions of themselves through retreats, through campfires, being outside, spending time in nature and connecting with other badass women, um, not in a mastermind type of way, but in a master heartful type of um, presence and playfulness that, that brings us to life and reminds us that we're human. So that's exciting. Um, super jazzed about that. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And then I, you know, I work one-on-one -on -one with folks. I've been playing with this idea of being a play coach um, to help, help people do this, help people bring more play and, and lightness um, and fun and joy into their world, into their work, into their life. 
So uh, one-on-one coaching. And, and then your website, if you are interested yeah. in connecting more with Marley, you can find her website at marleywilliams.com. That's M-A-R-L-I williams.com. And email her at marley at marleywilliams.com for more information. And Kat, yeah, thank you. Kat, what projects do you have going on right now? Um, I have Open Your Channel, which is going to be a three-part online uh, class series uh, and also a retreat. So you can just do the classes online or come to the amazing retreat and goes through uh, a lot of context and uh, awareness around what this means to have an open channel, to do mediumship and channeling work, to do healing work, and how to stabilize the system to support that. And then in the retreat, we're going to go through some very specific protocols to open the channel and give people access to divine wisdom, working with their guides, connection with their higher self. So it's very much a deep connection with yourself and then with the spiritual planes and being able to handle that happening. So um, that's happening in January and February. So uh, if you're interested, reach out and uh, we'll send you some more information. Mm -hmm. I will be guest facilitating at the retreat in February. I'm so excited. It'll be great. Uh, in terms of my projects, I have a new year-long certification training program that I am launching starting in the beginning of February called I Am Alchemy, teaching the art and science of transformation of the I am. Who are we as divine embodied beings? Who are we on this planet? And what is the I am? What is the ultimate, most fully authentically expressed version of the self? And how can we use the practices of magic to come into alignment with all that power that is around us to channel it into the I am? If you're interested, go ahead and contact me for more information about that. If you would like to catch up on any of our past episodes in case you've missed them, you can find them on YouTube under the Shaman Sister Sessions channel. You can also find all our past episodes on iTunes and Stitcher. Again, search for Shaman Sister Sessions. Go ahead and follow us on Facebook of that same name for more updates on future episodes, topics, guest speakers, etc. And please join us next week Tuesday at three o'clock Pacific time, where we will be speaking about opening your channel for business and entrepreneurship. Again, that's Tuesday, the 19th at three o'clock Pacific time, opening your channel for business and entrepreneurship. In the meantime, thank you so much, Marley, for joining us. It was a great pleasure to have you here. Thank you for coming to play with us and sharing all of your, uh, your wisdom of the the magic that comes when we get out of our own way and just drop into being. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks, Marley. Thanks, Michelle. Bye.